You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hello, good evening. Thank you for listening to episode 49 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily podcast. My name's Charlotte Greenway and it's Friday the 12th of August. So quite a lot of time on this week's podcast has been spent discussing the current issues trainers are facing in running a profitable business, on which I thought Mark Johnston was very interesting this morning. But it all stemmed really from the announcement at the beginning of the week that Harry Dunlop will be quitting the training ranks less than two weeks after fellow trainer Joe Tewitt made the same announcement. And here's what Harry had to say about why he can no longer continue. To be honest with you, I think um, yeah, it is, a, as I say, I always compare it to running a hotel. If a hotel isn't full, it, it's very hard to make any money. And in all honesty, um, I just don't have the number of horses to make the economics work. Um, we've had some wonderful years, um, but COVID was tough. Um, and I lost quite a few horses sort of through that. And it's been really hard to replace them, really. Um, but also as a personal point of view, I'm... I'm very keen to sort of go out there and find a new a new job or a new career so I just felt training is such a tough game at the moment it's wanting to do something different as well. The financial aspect also played a big part in Philippa Cooper announcing on the podcast on Thursday that she will be winding down her Normandy stud operation. She made reference to the poor prize money in Britain, the health of her husband and falling out of love with the sport But this is what I thought was the most interesting reason for no longer wishing to own her beautifully bred band of broodmares. I've always had bleated on about the stallions. I just feel that they're covering too many uh, mares. And I always wanted, when I was at the TBA, to reduce the stallion books, which they have tried to do in the States, and it's just, they don't want to do it. But I don't like stallions covering 250-odd mares and charging 150000 to 200000 per shot. And I can't pay that kind of money. In fact, I don't want to pay that kind of money. And when I look back now over the costs and what I've spent, I just cannot believe that I've done it. But that's an age thing, I suppose. And I don't want to take the risks of hoping that I'm going to make some money at the yearling sales so that I can pay my nomination costs. I don't want to do that anymore. I just wonder how many other owner breeders in the same position may follow suit in the coming years. Now on to the more positive part of the podcast, where we'll look ahead first to the Great St Wilfred Handicap over six furlongs at Riffin on Saturday, where Ed Bethel has an intriguing runner in Blackrod, who's currently favourite. And when I caught up with Ed on Wednesday, I first asked whether we're likely to see him or whether being by Mason, the fast ground might be a problem. Look, he has won on good to firm ground before, you know, he won on the uh, one of the July meeting last year on good to firm ground. So I would imagine that, you know, he, he, he goes on it. Um, I'm just not sure it's totally his preference. Um, but, you know, I, and as, I mean, I'm still learning about the horse. Yeah, just starting um, going back to when you first got him, he of course ran for Michael Dodd to Ascot in the Wokingham, finished seventh, which was his last start. How long have you had him for? I've had him for just a month. 
Um, and he ran very well in the Wokingham. He got a little bit of day, too much daylight. Um, and, you know, the Wokingham's a, it's a very difficult race to win, um, isn't it, really, as we all know? Yeah, I saw the entries being given on uh, Champions Day and Champions Sprint. He must have been showing you quite a lot of home then to make that entry. Well, I can't really say that much um, because obviously I've only been in a month and he's not done a, whole, a vast amount since he's been with me. Um, but they had him entered in the July Cup uh, back in, uh, and he was a non-runner there because the ground was very quick that day. Um, and so, uh, look, he's a, he's a, he, he, I think he's a decent horse. Um, how decent I have, I, I honestly don't know. Um, and it's a case of just feeling my way and learning about him. And what's he like to train? He is quite a lightly raised four-year-old, but he is still a colt. Uh, he has the most wonderful attitude to life. Um, he is, you wouldn't, if you, if you didn't know he was a colt, you would have thought he was a gelding. He's a very kind horse and he seems to give you everything in his work and he, he just wants to please you. Um, and he's a beautiful big horse um, and I, I'm just very fortunate to be the lucky recipient. Yeah, what, what does it mean to you to receive a horse like him? David Armstrong's given you some support already, but it's a horse he's, you know, as an owner and Michael Dodds, they've obviously thought a lot about him. Yes, uh, look, it means a lot. Uh, it's, it means a lot to be supported by uh, a very uh, successful owner, being like the Armstrongs, um, you know, and to be trusted with a horse of his calibre. Uh, and I just hope that I can do the horse justice and uh, I hope that I can... Um, you know, reward the faith that Mr. Armstrong and Mrs. Armstrong have shown in uh, have shown in me. Well, uh, I look forward to seeing where he ends up and wherever he ends up. If he's living up to that Group One entry, then he should be well in. Well, <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly, but um, we will we will we will see. Um, you know, anything can happen in those big sprint fields, um, but uh, he's a very nice horse for sure. The Group 1 action this weekend comes from France, from Deauville, in the shape of the Pre-Jacques Le Marois over a mile, where the British and Irish challenge looks particularly strong. And this also offers another opportunity to see the best three-year-olds taking on the older horses. Starting with the older horses, I caught up with Neve Woods of Rathbury Stud on Wednesday morning to talk about State of Rest, who they bought into earlier in the season, and started by asking what it was about this horse that made them think he's just the type they wanted as part of their stallion roster for next season. Uh, basically, he um, he proved to be a very good, consistent racehorse. Uh, he kind of came on Paul's radar there last year. He'd been kind of watching him and following him and, and really liked what he had seen, obviously, from his two-year-old career, going into his three-year-old career. And you know, to go on and do what he did in the Cox Plate last year after going through such an ordeal through everything, as everybody knows now, um, was sensational, really. And um, Joseph was adamant that really he thought the best was yet to come from the horse. Um, so considering he's by Star Spangled Banner, who obviously is doing so well, and he just kind of suited, as an outcross, kind of suited a lot of our mayors, a lot of our clients' mayors, and he just looked like it would have the ideal potential and profile to uh, go on and, and do something 
really incredible and considering Joseph is such a good trainer he was spot on with, with his, with his uh, thoughts on that. And his win at Royal Ascot in the Group 1 Prince of Wales stakes last time, he sort of surprised a few people that day, maybe the doubters. Did he surprise yeah. you? Uh, we were... Joseph was very, very adamant. Joseph had great faith. Shane Cross had great faith in the heart. Um, they really, really thought that he was working so well at home, that he was really coming to himself, that they they were very bullish about him. And you couldn't help be bullish with their, you know, obviously confidence in the heart. So we knew that he was going to go close, but, you know, he blew us away the way he, he did it. He absolutely blew us away. And this weekend, he faces a slightly different task in the Prix-Jacques Lamarwa. He's, of course, already won a Group 1 in France over the, yeah. an extended mile and a quarter. What's the vibes yeah. from Joseph's stable? Has he come out of Ascot well? And are they confident he has the speed to uh, to win a Group 1 over a mile? Yeah, I mean, well, to be honest with you, he's, he's kind of proven himself in, in that, you know, in that kind of, um, in, in that sphere already. And they with the group one but I suppose okay this is a little bit further but like that Joseph has the utmost confidence in the heart Shane has the utmost confidence in the heart and we can only you know go by what your trainer and your jockey say and, and they've seen him work at home obviously they've um, he's had a, a, a nice break from Alaska to now and and they've been so encouraged for what he's done that you have to believe that he could do it you know just in terms of his appeal as a stallion, what would it mean to win a Group 1 over a mile? Well, I suppose, like, to be honest, he's, uh, he's, 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 he's done it already in that he's kind of proven himself on the race course. Um, and, in, you know, in, in four hemispheres as well, which uh, I don't know if, if that's ever been done before. I, I don't think so, but, but I could be, you know, wrong. But, you know, he he's an international horse now at this stage. Plus the fact that he's, he's won from six furlongs to a mile two and a half, and maybe, you know, obviously, hopefully, Sunday would be great as well. Like, it, it is a huge boost for a lot of people with mares because, okay, it's great to get the sprinters, of course it is, but for the longevity of our industry, you need something with a little bit of distance. Um, Cody Bear has proven that uh, you know he can get them with a bit of a trip uh, Acclimation okay is a sprinter but he's got horses that have got a bit of a trip as well so you know for the longevity of the industry it's great to have the choice of stallions that can do that and we're you know we're very very confident that Stage West would be in that, that realm as well Last week he was of course given an entry in the Cox Plate to defend his crown is that still very much the plan, or were he to win on Sunday, might you might you be tempted to to tackle more Group Ones in the Northern Hemisphere? Well, as you know, um, the lads down in in uh, Australia are having him with us, and uh, they they, in fairness, have um, the the very much the right and. Um, um, the will to obviously defend his title and you can't blame them for that of course they want to do it and we're happy to go in with them as well you know um, it, it would be fantastic if he if he did go on and defend his his title in in the cox plate and you're hopeful that he does and 
I mean, the, the boys have been fantastic and that they've, you know, come up to Royal Ascot with such numbers to support him. They, they're they so enthusiastic. Um, they're so happy to to go with whatever, as are we, obviously, with what Joseph recommends. And, you know, if he says, yeah, look, the cost rate is on, on the table, then, yeah, the cost rate is on the table. And with his profile down under, along with Newgate Stud also buying into him, who you talked about there, I take it the plan will be for him to shuttle between the northern and southern hemispheres on stallion duties? Yeah, yeah, he'll come to us um, at the end of this year. Um, That is the plan. He'll stand with us next season and then all going well and, and obviously... You know, who knows what the future, with everything going on in the world, it's so hard to predict things. But, like, that is the plan. Um, he will do his Southern Hemisphere stint then um, next, uh, next year after he finishes the Northern Hemisphere breeding season with us. Then this morning, Lydia Hislop joined Nick to discuss the race, how it might play out, and what insight the Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's global rankings are able to offer. State of Rest comes out best on TRC rankings. He's 12th in the world reverting to a mile. A Caribus is 16th, Inspiral is 52nd, Order of Australia is 91st, and all the others are in triple figures, including Prosperous Voyage and Light Infantry, both of whom have plenty more to offer. Pace is likely to come from Bathrat Leon, who set the, the pace in the Sussex Stakes, you would have thought anyway, and State of Rest, you'd think, might just get the perfect trip here. Not a particularly strong pace in the Sussex Stakes, was it? Go a bit so- quicker this time, won't he? Yeah, and they'll be more wise to that as well if if connections want want a strong a stronger pace. So uh, I don't think it would necessarily be as straightforward. There is state of rest as good as a mile? Question mark. I think he could be looking at his looking at his pedigree. He hasn't been really tested at a mile in this company, has he? Uh, no. I, I think it's an interesting race for him. I think it's the I think it's the right call. I think it's a fabulous call. I, I really like this horse. I think he's been underestimated this season. Uh, I think there are. Um, I think he's been opportunist to, to to some some degree, either you know how he's ridden or how he's been campaigned. And I think this is this is pretty serious. This race and at a trip over which he as yet is unproven. I mean, his his really good form has only really started regularly hitting that mark for at 10 furlongs. You know, he was beaten at list beaten at listed level, admittedly on his seasonal debut um last season as a three-year-old. Um and clearly he is better than he was before. But he does got he does have to prove himself that he is as good at uh, a mile as he has been over 10 furlongs this season. You know, much as I respect him, much as I like him and I really like the way he's being campaigned. Um Caribus has uh, of course missed the Sussex Stakes with a with a small setback. He's managed to win in different ways this season. I, I quite like that. I know you can pick apart the St James's Palace Stakes in terms of what might have happened if horses um, had had a, a a clearer passage behind him, notably, of course, Maljume. Um, but he still managed to find a way to win. And I like horses, uh, particularly at group one level, who find a way to win, no matter the way the race pans out. And in spirals on a retrieval mission, after a huge performance on a seasonal debut on fast ground in the Coronation Stakes, uh, a thumping of Spenderella, she was then below form behind Prosperous Voyage in the Falmouth. Um, Prosperous Voyage, you know, had chased at home a couple of times as a, as a two-year-old, was 
was likely to be a better three-year-old. So, I mean, it wasn't the biggest shock result that she t- turned out to be, not only the biggest danger, but to beat her. Um, did the race come too quickly after Royal Ascot? Was it two quick runs on on fast ground? You know, what what level of horses is, is in spiral beating? I mean, generally, I'm tending towards Caribus. It looks a fascinating renewal, and I'd like to side within Spiral, but reports from France last weekend was that the ground was very, very quick indeed, and I imagine Sunday's going will be pretty similar, so it might not be to her liking. Next week is, of course, the Ebor meeting at York, where we'll see the highest-rated racehorse in the world, Baid, stepping up in trip to Amana Quarter for the first time in the Judmont International. So make sure you join Nick on Monday morning as he builds up to all the action from York. Have a great weekend, and thank you once again for listening. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.